I get it. I'm not always quick to jump at answering my phone when I don't know the number, mm -hmm. but um, you know, it's hard to to communicate and find time and students expect you to be in the office 24/7 and I say no 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 I'm here Monday through Friday I'm just a like anyone else I have a life outside of this and so um, it's hard for them to to understand that sometimes obviously we do have an emergency line 24/7 for emergencies and we've you know we've dealt with a lot of things lately the mm. the world is um, things Crazy. are happening you know so. there's always something happening in the the big old world yeah. Hello, everybody, and welcome to We Sort of Know. My name is Josh Hadian, and today we have Carolyn Boudreaux. Say hello, Carolyn. Hello, Carolyn. There's Carolyn. Um, this is actually, uh, well, for everyone who's like been listening, they know that we typically record in Massachusetts. Um, this is a special episode. This is, we're mobile. We I've, are a remote episode. It's a remote episode. I've uh, traveled across the world. I had a pit stop in Thailand and then made my way over to Texas <laughs> just to come do this episode. Just for this. I went all the way to Thailand and back. That's just, a typical route to make yeah. your way to Texas. Go I to mean, Thailand I had a, first. Yeah, well, it seemed too easy to go to Texas. And... Anyway, <laughs> Carolyn, what are we talking about today? We are going to talk about some education abroad stuff. Oh, education. Yeah. So we're all about learning things. We are. Well, this makes sense for me flying all over the place, but you don't necessarily focus on Thailand, to my knowledge, correct? I don't. I work with Latin America, primarily, and some of Spain destinations as well. Very cool. So now, before we jump in, just to give um, some, what's the word, preface? Preface? Preface. Pre yeah. Preface. Carolyn and I know each other from high school? High school. Uh, middle school. Middle school? Yeah. Oh, yeah, because we started driver's ed middle school. No. What? High school. High school. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Start driving at 13? Yeah, why not? Head <laughs> um, of the curb there. Uh, yeah. So it was, so then how do we know each other? We weren't in any classes together in middle school, were we? No, but we went to school together. We did. But I guess more... We, we became, like, buddies. In Dri school. Driver's Ed was our... Oh, yeah. That's where we Mrs. learned. Mrs. Marsh, good times. <laughs> learning all the rules of the road and those drunk goggles. Oh, I missed that day. That was, you missed that day? I remember that missing that day, and you texted me saying it was really wild. It was pretty cray. Because back then I was like, what's being drunk like? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that is. <laughs> and then you told me about the drunk goggles, and I missed that class. Yeah. Aw. I'll never get to experience that. You'll never know what it's like to, go to be back drunk to, with goggles. To go back to drivers, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's nice. We've we've known each other for a while, and now here we are in Texas. In Texas, good old Austin, Texas. Austin, Texas. It's been really cool here. Um, so you do all kinds of traveling. So we'll, we'll we'll get to what got you here. So going on the preface subject of now we know where we met let's talk a little bit more what got you into your fields of doing study abroad i'm assuming it started happening in college yes um kind of a little bit in high school too so when i was a sophomore in high school i did a two-week exchange program so i hosted um someone from costa rica for two weeks and then i went to costa rica for two weeks so that was through my um kind of class, just an option, not required, but um, I originally hadn't even planned on going to Costa Rica. I was just mm. going to host, and then I met my host sister, and we just really hit it off, and I really loved, you know, all the students who I met and Skyped with my host sister's family, and they said, we can't wait to meet you, and mm. so there were some some groveling, some begging, mom and dad, <laughs> please let me go, and so they yep. did, and I went to Costa Rica in Coronado, for a two-week session and didn't know a lot of Spanish at the time, but it really piqued my interest, made me want to learn more. I said, I don't know what I want to do with the rest of my life, but I know I want to be bilingual in mm. um, you know, English and Spanish. And so that's really what sparked my language interest. Okay. And then um, from there, I was applying to colleges and looking at where I wanted to go um, and what I wanted to do. And I knew I wanted to declare a Spanish major. So that was really what stemmed, what led me to this field um, because I knew I'd be able to study abroad again. And my original mm. plan was to study abroad again in Costa Rica. And I ended up going to Spain and kind of exploring a little bit of Europe. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then the company that I studied abroad with, I now work for them. Well, <laughs> so <look at> that. <laughs> it's been kind of a, a long journey um, with them and just kind of from student to um, recruiter to now a program manager of our different programs. Dang. So you've come a long way from just kind of going to Costa Rica on a whim from like a exactly. class. Exactly. Yeah. It's funny. I I never really saw myself in this field. To be honest, I didn't even really know it was a field. Even when I was abroad, mm. I knew that I was studying abroad with a company, um, you know, provider, um, as we refer to them, a third party provider. So, um, but I didn't really know that that was something I didn't know international education was a thing. Right. Um, so it's been, you know, really eye opening just seeing how many people really are involved in the field. We just had um I didn't attend this year, but there's a NAFSA conference every year and that's kind of a national um education abroad. They do Did you say NASA? <clears throat> um NAFSA. Oh NAFSA. No, not NASA. So NAFSA, um it was in Los Angeles this year, and they had 9,000 attendees Dang. from all over the country, and that was actually pretty low attendance for them. Oh. It's usually closer to 13,000. Dang. Um, and Boston was, they did a one in Boston, the one that I was at in 2015, and there was about 15,000 oh attendees for that conference. So this is a big, so big group. It's big. There's lots of different sides of it. So I work primarily with our... Um, I work for a third-party provider, meaning that um, we partner with universities all over the United States Mm -hmm. and also host institutions abroad. So we're kind of the middleman in that. Mm. Um, There are direct relationships between U.S. institutions and institutions abroad. Those are often called bilateral exchanges or direct, um, you know, direct um, programs and... um, there's also the side of it that U.S. institutions are bringing in international students. So there's lots mm. of different facets to the to the field. And kind of depending on what you're interested in, there's lots of room to to find your place. Yeah. So, I mean, because when I think about studying abroad, I, I did it while I was in school uh, at UMass. And I think the way their program works, it was like kind of like a one-for-one. They would... Yeah. have an international student from there come here and I would go there kind of like a exactly. swap so I would like pay the same price for like tuition and all yep, that yep you're paying your tuition they're paying Which, their uh, tuition like, that's and awesome yeah. I love that stuff so is that something that you guys mm-hmm. focus on we don't so that's going to be more of a bilateral exchange okay essentially we partner with some universities where the university will pay us the student pays the university okay and then we work with some students who for example I went to the University of Vermont for my undergrad and I did not do a UVM program. I did an API. My mm. company, I did one of their specific programs. And as such, I essentially um, took kind of a leave of absence from UVM and I paid um, API directly. Oh. So it really kind of billing can depend on. Interesting. But API was connected with UVM. So they had an affiliation. Yeah. Okay. So it's an affiliated agreement. I went on an approved program by them. Gotcha. So there's lots of steps you know you not only have to go on an approved program but you have to make sure is this going to work in my degree plan and Mm. what classes can I take how are they going to transfer back so that's a lot of the support that I provide is a lot of that it's helping students have access to syllabi making sure that their classes are going to transfer back they have to do that with their home institution but I can provide them with the tools to set that all up because like so in a sense you're like you said the middleman but like kind of like the guidance counselor a little bit yeah so you know a lot of phone conversations that I have, students will say, you know, I'm interested in studying abroad in Latin America. I don't really know where I want to go, but I um, am a sustainability major. I say, okay, well, I have some recommendations based on the classes. And, um, you know, if you're interested in going to Costa Rica, they have a lot of good courses that could work for you. We Mm. have a program in Mendoza, Argentina that could work for you. So um, just based on kind of my portfolio and, and student disciplines and what they're looking for, we can kind of figure out what might be a good program fit for them so that they can go and present that and get that approved on their home institution campus. Right. So it, it sounds like just from what your job asks of you, you got to know like the culture of a lot, a lot of places. I do. Yeah. So I, I work with our programs in Argentina, Chile, Costa Rica, Cuba, which we can talk a little bit about because that's <laughs> a different one. Um, our programs in Mexico and then 
in Spain. We work with six different cities, but I just manage our sites in Salamanca, Spain, which is where I studied, and also Cadiz in the south. Dang. So how did, did, did you decide all those places? Did you, when you started working this job, did you start with like two places and it grew? So I actually started with that portfolio. Um, I have a lot. I didn't. Um, They kind of looked at what my areas of expertise were. Mm. So I have experience in Costa Rica. I have experience in Spain. I speak Spanish. Um, So that really helped them gauge what might be a good portfolio fit for me. And then they looked at, um, you know, the directors abroad and kind of what their processes were. And it's nice because a lot of Latin America – function similarly and so Mm. you know I I have we have on-site staff at all of our locations so I don't travel to all of those locations I basically work with students from when they're looking at a program when they're interested in it to when they arrive on site and then we have directors in all of our locations that will pick them up the airport do an on-site orientation Mm. and really take it from there so I'm I'm helping them basically through the pre-departure yeah. application and pre-departure processes. Which I'm sure is like, that That can probably be one of the most nerve-wracking parts. Of course. Maybe yeah. not even for the student, but I'm assuming more so the parents. Yes, I talk to a lot of parents <laughs> and it's funny, they'll call and they'll say, you know, I'm sorry, I don't mean to be a helicopter parent. I'm just, you know, this is the first time that my child's leaving the country and things like that. So... Um, they're all valid concerns and right. you know what I say to them is I'm not a parent but I have parents and I have studied <laughs> abroad many times so you know you're not telling me anything that I haven't talked to my own parents about right. and um, it helps for them specifically for our locations that I've visited you know I've been to our, all of our sites in Costa Rica and Spain and Cuba and so knowing you know I can say it is very safe and you know it's a 15 minute walk to the university and knowing that I'm really knowledgeable about those right. really helps the the parents. I have to fudge it a little bit with Argentina <laughs> and Chile because I haven't yet been there um, but I know our on-site directors and you know there are there are questions that I still don't know the answers to. Mm. I get new questions all the time. I had a student in Chile say I'd really like to take my surfboard with me. I said oh. okay let me get back to you on that one and <laughs> Um, we were able to find, you know, make it happen, make it work so that they could um, surf while they were studying on the coast of Chile for, for the summer awesome. session. That's so, awesome. That sounds so cool. Yeah. Um, but it, it's nice. I feel like I have that good support system with our on-site staff mm. because it's not just me answering all the questions. You know, we have our yeah. on-site staff. We have the host institutions, too. So because it's not like it's not just the student that's going abroad. It's like the parents are going abroad with exactly. them. Exactly. <laughs> as two, much as they can. There are other questions, you know, once they get over the, the nerves of, oh, my gosh, my child is going to another country to study. Mm-hmm. Um, then they're they're all over you about, well, when can we come down and visit and what should we do and what should we see? And, yeah, I believe it. What's the uh, what's the craziest question you've gotten from a parent? Oh, gosh, from a parent? Um. I don't know if they're crazy. They're usually they have lots of safety concerns. Yeah. Um, they want to know what their child's going to be eating. They want to <laughs> know their their schedule. They want to know, um, you know, how often are they going to contact me and <laughs> things That's like that. That's up to you. And so yeah, exactly. So. And what about from the students? I'm sure they must ask a little more interesting questions. Yeah. Um, they, you know, when we start out, a lot of it is. Um, you know, what, well, with me, I'm working with students who all are looking for Spanish locations. Mm -hmm. So that's something to keep in mind is that the host country is not going to speak English. Um, You know, a lot of my locations are very um, immersive, which is great for students who are looking for that. But some students will say, well, I don't speak any Spanish. Mm -hmm. And so that really does eliminate a lot of my programs. Right. Because that's going to be the next question is like, if if you're focusing mainly on Spanish speaking uh, countries, do most of the students speak the language or are at least attempting to have that be like kind of how you have your, your bilingual mm-hmm. it's, I wouldn't think that's necessarily like the, the case for most of the students. Right. And it's, it's not a requirement. We do have a lot of programs where, um, you can be a beginner and you can learn, mm. but we just want them to know, you know, the host country's language is Spanish. So right. For example, I studied in Salamanca, Spain, and we have five different programs in that one city. Hmm. And you can be 
native or you can have had no Spanish background and mm. there's a program that will work for you. Um, but as insofar as walking down the street, you're not going to hear English when you're walking down the street in right. Salamanca. It's much more immersive than you're going to find in Madrid or Barcelona mm. or things like that much more. And I'm sure like you make that pretty clear to everybody before they We do, like... of course. Yeah. And our host families, you know, students can either live with a host family or they can live in a residencia, which is kind of a dorm, but a little... A little different. So you're yeah. going to have like an in-house person who will do your laundry and um, make your meals for you. Oh, so that it's, sounds nice. it's a bit of a glamorous dorm. Mm. So that actually is a great segue into what I wanted to ask is like from all these different programs you have, you know, you have the idea of you can live in dorms mm -hmm. or you can live in like flats or um, or you can have the host family. Yeah. Um, and you said that when you originally went to Costa Rica and then you started traveling a little bit more, you did more host family stuff. Yes. And now tell me a little bit about that. So I lived with a host family in Costa Rica, and I lived with, it was three, my three host sisters, my host mom and dad, and for me it was great. I have two brothers. I've never had a sister. Hmm. Um, and I just got there, and immediately it was, you know, welcome daughter, hi, you're my sister. And oh, so it was, it was so welcoming. The Tico culture in Costa Rica is really, um, you know, near and dear to my heart still to this day. Mm -hmm. um, and then I knew when I went to Spain, for me, I wanted to live with the host family because language acquisition was my primary goal in studying mm. abroad. And so um, I knew that that would really help me progress with that. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, because when I think about trying to learn another language, the best way to learn it is to just immerse yourself in it. Of it's it's kind of like it puts your body like in like panic mode. It's like, well, if I'm going to survive, I kind of have to. It's survival Spanish, of course. And <laughs> yeah. I mean, there were days where I felt exhausted. You know, you wake up and you have breakfast with your host family and then you go to class and it's all Spanish all day and then you come home and you have lunch with your host family. It's all Spanish and, mm. you know, then you go back to class and you do your homework and it's a lot of it's language. It's lifestyle. It like, is, like, but it, it's tiring some days, you know. Yeah, there was I remember I Skyped with my family and I was talking to them and they were asking me what I had for lunch and I said, oh, I had a sandwich and it had aguacat and whatever and my mom was like, what is aguacat? And I was like, mom, no, like, you know what it is. Well, I was trying to say avocado and I couldn't think of the word because <laughs> my brain was just mush and aguacate is in Spanish. And uh, so yep. <laughs> I just made it as English as I could in my brain. And so there were days where it was tiring. And so um, when it came to meeting that host family, did you get an introduction to them before you met them? Did the program that you're originally with? Like, so the program I work for now, we give them a brief description. So, for example, okay. it will say you're going to live with Aurea. She is 65 years old, and she has a 31-year-old son who lives with her, and she is a widow, and that's really all you get. So you don't get a ton. Hmm. Um, but for me, I, I really lucked out with my host family placements. They have just my Costa Rica host family had a really they have a really strong foundation in education in Costa Rica they cool. own their own um, elementary middle school high school wow. and so that was a really interesting just they have a teaching background my family does mm. my mom's a teacher my brother's a teacher isn't that interesting how that just worked yeah out? <laughs> and then in Spain my host mom had a real love of the arts so painting and theater so we would go to shows together and for me that's just that's been so a passion cool. for forever yeah um so I, I just lucked out with my placements there. Mm. Um, do you get the option to like choose? Do you get like kind of like a packet of like these are some host families you can pick from, or is just like we don't, but we to have you? we have a, a housing questionnaire. Okay. So we ask you your basic preferences. You know, do you want to live with another student or do you want to live alone? Do you want to um, live with a family or in a residencia? Do you have any gotcha. dietary needs? Do you... So it's kind of like when you're actually like applying to college anyway. Exactly. You just like put your like list Yeah, of and I always tell students, be. beef that form up because the more you can tell us, the better. Definitely, yeah. You know, we, we interview all of our host families on site and mm -hmm. um, we visit the accommodations, make sure that they're up to standards. Gotcha. So now on the flip side of that, you just briefly started to talk about it, is how do you guys decide on host families or how do host families say like, I want to be a host family? So they do get paid um, to host students, obviously, okay. and um, in some of our locations, for example, our programs in Salamanca, Spain, we've been running for 20 years. Whoa. So a lot of the families we've been working with, we've been working with for the majority of that time. Mm. We're always looking for new families just in case, um, you know, we've seen an, a large 
influx in gluten-free, dairy-free lately, mm-hmm. and so we're always looking for people to accommodate that, okay. which is a bit trickier in some locations Definitely. And, and more expensive, too, mm. is something we have to keep in mind. Um, so we're always looking for new families. People contact us a lot of the times and say, I'm really interested in doing this. Cool. We've had in some of our locations, and you know, in, in Argentina, we have a family whose um, mom has been doing it for five years, and now her daughter's hosting students as hmm. well, and so they're wow. both hosting students. So Going through generations. Exactly. <laughs> so um, our students really, I mean, they really like our housing accommodations. We mm. were always looking at evaluations, seeing you know if there are any things we can make better, but... Um, they really like it. And good. And I, one of the things I talk to students a lot about is, well, should I live with a family or should I live in a residency? I don't know. Right. For me, it was really clear. That was not a, a big question. I knew mm. I wanted to live with a family because of the language acquisition, like we talked about. But um, for some students, they want more independence and um, and they don't necessarily want to chit-chat with the family <laughs> and that's okay too. And you, you know? can provide that. We can. And everyone's going to have different goals in studying abroad. And that's what I always tell students is, you know, whether it's where do I want to live or what kind of cell phone do I want while I'm abroad? It's, <laughs> well, think about what your goals are. You mm. know, do you, are you going to want to be as connected as you are in the States when you're there? You know, I had a really basic phone and I could make, so I could make calls and I had T9 for texting, which nice. some people might not even know what that is the anymore. Classics. So, yeah. um, I mean, I definitely, just for the, since I just got back from Thailand, that's like, I got like a SIM card to like use there, but like honestly, it felt nice not to be like connected, connected yeah. all the time. Of course, haven't checked Instagram since. Wow, uh, that's a record because <laughs> I'm on Instagram always. <laughs> I know I'm I'm going for a record here. It's pretty great. It's nice. Try it sometime. <laughs> <laughs> Although I can't stop Twitter. But that is something that we we talk. You know, we talked about parents a little bit, but. Um, we do talk to parents a little bit about that because students can be connected all the time. You know, yeah. they, they, it's a requirement that they have Wi-Fi in our host families or our residencias and they can hmm. connect on campus. And if we have an API office in the location, they can connect there. And it's hard because that wasn't always the way mm. before. And so it was, we try to remind students, you know, be in the moment. Yeah. Um, experience what you're experiencing and yes, update your family. But um, I blogged a lot. I blogged the whole time while I was there. Oh, okay, and, I gotcha. For me, that was so helpful because I could share it with my family. I could say, hey, a blog coming tomorrow about my week this past week. Um, and it's they just... could share it with whoever they wanted. So right. my blog was getting so many hits, and nice. I didn't even know half the people. And, <laughs> you know, but it was. It's really just like a, the modern day journal. Of course. And it was so nice to share it. And then now, my when I came home, my. That's my scrapbook. I printed yeah. out all my blogs and I added tickets and pictures and things like oh, that. Oh, so cool. So it's Makes massive. Nice. But yeah. <laughs> it's, and the other thing too is with study abroad, depending on how long you're away, you're going to have days that are jam-packed with so many things you're doing. And then you're going to have other days where you wake up, you eat breakfast, you go to class, you come home, you do your homework, you eat dinner, you go to bed. I mean, it's... <laughs> you're really becoming a citizen yeah. of, of the place you're going. It's kind of like the idea, I feel like, for studying abroad is that studying abroad is very different from somebody who would just vacation, whether it's by themselves or with friends or family, whatever it is. But yeah, you you just hit the nail on the hammer. Hit, hit the nail, hit, nail on the head. Nail on the head. Yeah, there, yeah, there mm. it is. I uh, got there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's like you really do like just get immersed and you become one of the citizens there. Yeah, of course. Um, how long are the programs typically? Do they range? They do. So we have some that are – our summer programs are usually about four weeks. Okay. They can range from four weeks to ten weeks over the summer. Mm-hmm. And then our um, fall, spring programs are, I'd say, between – 10 and 16 weeks. Nice. And then we have some January intercession programs that are about two to three weeks. And then students can also do a whole academic year if they want. So, you know, it's, I would have loved to do an academic year. I probably could have swung it, but, um, you know, it's nerve, it's nerve wracking. Yeah. You're leaving the comfort of your home university for a whole semester and FOMO is a real thing these days. (laughs) Yeah. Well, definitely. I mean, it's just like, culture shock and then just you're in a whole new world exactly and, and coming the- coming back from study abroad is a whole nother ball game it's like too. how much did i miss but it's you know you you're dealing with people who are constantly asking you how was your semester and you want to tell them everything and really what they want to hear is it was great 
And so being able to, you know, being able to share your story for me, that was so important. Right. And that's what I loved after I came back. I was a peer mentor and I shared my story with people who wanted to go to my location or somewhere in They Spain. actually wanted to listen. They wanted to hear all my stories. And my, <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's one thing I love. I feel like having the experience of studying abroad um, and being able to talk about it on such a personal level, mm. you know, that, that really helps you to connect to people and get them, get them excited about Definitely. going abroad because there's a lot to, a lot to consider. There's a lot to be, you know, nervous about Definitely. finances are very real. Yeah. You're not. And you don't handle that so. part of the, of the trend. You don't handle. I don't know. <laughs> <You must laughs> Thankfully, be happy about that. <laughs> we have a financial services department Thank and goodness. I love transferring calls to them. <laughs> <laughs> um, so out of all the places you've been going, you mentioned a bunch. Uh, what would you say is been the most memorable or like, I mean like, like a favorite? A favorite. Oh, uh, well. Or unique. Unique would definitely be Cuba. Gotcha. <laughs> um, it's it's tricky. Um, things just... things are opening up a lot more. The first time I went to Cuba was January two thousand sixteen. Okay, and I returned for a second visit this past January. When did they open up? To... It, it was in um, about fairly November recently. December of two thousand fifteen. They made the announcement. Okay, and then. Um, we were able to start going in January. But with that, I will say that we've been running our programs there since 2013. So we've oh. had a special license to go. Oh, whoa. And so um, spring 2013, I wasn't managing the program at the time, obviously. Mm -hmm. I was abroad myself in yeah. Spain. But um, we had a special license. We were partnering with Marist College in Poughkeepsie, New York. And we were able to send semester students there. Um, to study on this, this special license. Now, when things started to change um, with Obama's administration and kind of the, the relations with Cuba, we were then able to, now we operate on a general license. So okay. we don't, we have our special license, but we've let it expire, I believe, and we don't necessarily, we don't operate on it anymore. Okay. Um, and so, uh, but the first time I went, we were still flying with charter companies and non-charter flights, which have rules of their own. They don't really have obligations like, um, you know, our, our major airlines today. So mm. my flight was delayed nine hours and <laughs> no one had anything to say about it. It was just <laughs> the plane's not here yet. The plane's not here yet. And um, so my first trip was a little rocky um, <laughs> and it was in January. It was pouring rain most of the time. Oh, gosh. Um, but what a great I, intro to Q. it really, yeah, it was a bit stressful. <laughs> I was with 55 students and five faculty members. Oh my so gosh. It was a bit crazy the first couple days, just not knowing the area well myself. Um, but when I returned this past January, I was with nine, my nine semester students who I had been working with for quite some time and, um, you know, had had conversations with them over the phone. And so it was really fun to meet them because I don't get to meet my students very often face to face. Mm. So that was a really unique experience. And we had some sunshine and, um, the trip went really smoothly. So now there's commercial flights that are open. So okay. you can fly with American or JetBlue. You can fly with Delta now. Um, and not just from Miami. So the charter flights would only operate out of Miami. Mm. Now you can go from Houston. You can go from New York. You can go from, you know, lots of other. So it sounds like it's made your job a little bit easier in that sense. It has. So Cuba's still a little different than our other programs. So our students are required to get a visa on them, you know, on their own and mm -hmm. purchase their flight outside of the program cost. However, for Cuba, that's not the case. I acquire the visas for students and I acquire the flights from Miami. So uh, we're still requiring our students to take a domestic flight to Miami and then we fly all together as a group because it still is different. The immigration process and things like that, um, it's streamlining more and more mm -hmm. from what I've seen in the past you know, in, in, even in the year lapse between my two visits was um, very different and happy changes for me. Um, and I, I hope we see things continue to open up, but there has, even last week, there was more regulation changes. And so we're not yeah. sure. We're, we're always keeping an eye on it. And our primary concern is just making sure that our students can have a safe educational experience. Definitely. During their have time you there. seen a spike of students wanting to travel to Cuba ever since... Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And and it's one of those things you we see 
if there are certain locations in the news a lot mm. um, for exciting reasons, obviously <laughs> not for for other reasons, but um, we do see a spike in our numbers. And so Cuba was being talked a lot about when the regulations, when it was opening up and it was, it got a lot of news attention and students were hearing more about it. I will say though, we're seeing bigger jumps in our customized programs for universities. So for example, let's say UMass wanted to send 20 students over their spring break for a one week program, we could facilitate that. Oh, wow. Um, I don't manage those programs. I deal with our standard semester and summer Sounds program. fun to me. Yeah. <laughs> but we're seeing a lot of um, a, a big jump in those requests versus mm. our students who want to go for a whole semester. So Yeah. I didn't know that even existed. So Yeah. And a big, a lot of the concern that I think people see around Cuba is still the connectivity. So it's, well, what do you mean I'm not going to be able to connect to Wi-Fi all the time? And <laughs> you, you mean can. I can't snap my buddies? Exactly. And the thing that I'm telling my students is you can. It's just very different. Mm. So you're not going to be able to connect to Wi-Fi on university campus, which is mind-blowing for people these mm, days. You know, how, yeah. what do you mean I'm not going to be able to connect on campus? Um, but a lot of the work that they'll be doing is via USB, and, um, you know, they're not, they're not needing it. And so they still can connect. They have to pay for it, but it's, <laughs> it's getting more affordable. It's, what? It's, it's um, opening up. Yeah, and we we're seeing a lot of change, and it's it's been tricky to keep tabs on it all, to be but, honest. So now, from that, where do you see the relationship with Cuba going? Well, we've had some changes as of Thursday and Friday of this past week, and I don't know. Um, a lot of it depends on the current administration. You know, it was an executive order to to have things open up. So mm -hmm. with our change in in government, we're we're not sure. We did have a meeting in January of this year to sit down and talk seriously about where we were going to go with it, what we were going to do. Right. And we decided for our purposes, after talking with, you know, a lot of people about it, um, we've decided to keep our programs open. And even with the news that we got last week, which I'm not completely clued in on, I've been yeah. out of the office, but yeah. I'm sure it'll be um, a rude awakening when I'm when I'm back and lots of <laughs> questions and catching up for me to do. <laughs> But um, we've just, you know, we spoke with the D.C. embassy, the um, Cuban embassy in D.C., Washington, D.C., this past week, and they've assured us that we can still continue with our semester and summer programs. That's so good. we're constantly checking in. We're constantly on it, keeping up with the news and things well, like that. It sounds like, in a sense, like, you know, you could still have the program go, but it might just revert back to how it was before. It might, exactly. You just get that special license And it was still possible, again. exactly. So it's, it's possible. We... We don't know. Um, you know, we're hoping it's been good for yeah. the, you know, Cuban people are happy. That was one thing when I was there. I, I was very interested to ask the locals, how do you feel about U.S. citizens being here? Mm. And they said, we, we're very happy to have you here. Yeah. But I'm, I'm always conscious of, you know, okay, I'm a visitor of this country. And I, right. especially when I'm visiting for, you know, a little bit, I never want to trek through and just see the sights. I really want to talk to the people. Yeah. And, and I did that a lot when I was there. And I was actually there just days after the inauguration. Wow. So it was really interesting. Um, and Fidel passed away last year. So their government, you know, there's lots of talk there now that, you know, he's gone and people thought, well, Raul is, is in power, his brother, but really is Fidel still calling the shots? We hmm. don't know. And, you know, now they know he's definitely not <laughs> calling the shots, but, um, it's it's interesting. You still see a lot of of Fidel pride, I guess I'll call it. People still really admire him and and want his ways. And one one thing that I thought was so fascinating about Cuba is when you're driving down the street, here you'll see if you're on a major highway, you'll see billboards, right? You'll mm -hmm. see, hey, Verizon, and you know this and that advertisements. Yep. But when you're in Cuba, you still see those billboards, but they are all political. Mm. You won't see anything that is not, I mean, it's all propaganda kind of stuff. Right. And I just thought that was so fascinating. And it says, you know, Fidel lives on in our hearts always and forever and mm. things like that. And um, it's it's interesting. It's just a different world. It is. Yeah. But they, they operate differently. Exactly. And, you know, I feel like a lot of people operate see, differently from Americans. Yes. <laughs> but you'll see the, the old cars and, and things like that. That's what and I then, want to check out. And then you'll also see Italian cruise ships coming in. Huh. So, 
tourism is really changing it and I don't know if it's always in the best of ways. It's yeah. fast. And mm. you know, you have our embargo and then you're looking to open that up and people are excited about going, which is great, but why are they excited about going? And mm. and you have, really have to look at those reasons. Um, you know, we're always talking to our students about being a global citizen and opening up your minds to to be trying to immerse yourself the, the best you can and that's not always I don't know if, if you're just going on vacation for example yeah. Or you're, yeah you're seeing the sites but are you really talking to the people are you getting to know the culture and no, you're just taking pictures and exactly. selfies and <laughs> exactly for the Instagram for the social oh, yeah. media absolutely and, um, and our students the other thing is our semester students are there for five months Mm. And they get to know each other really well. Right. You know, they're they're ha having conversations at the dinner table instead of looking at their phones the whole time. And you know, they're not. Sounds trying refreshing. To, it it really it is, and they get to know each other really fast too, not just well. They kind of have to. They have to, you know. Right. Um, they're living close quarters and things like that. So. So it's really crazy, you know. We just spent so much time here just talking about Cuba. Mm -hmm. And like it sounds like you know I briefly mentioned earlier like you really do have to know your stuff about not just Cuba but everywhere. Yes. <laughs> and, and, and everything's changing like you said very fast very like so how do you manage to like keep up with all of it? Well, we read the news, we get a lot of updates and it's really good like I was saying before we have our on-site staff in the universities. So mm. they're always keeping us abreast of changes when they find them out. For example, um Argentina used to ha have, for U.S. citizens, there used to be a reciprocity fee, meaning that for any U.S. citizen, they would need to pay this fee in order to enter the country. Mm. And you would get a stamp in your passport saying you, that you pay the fee, and you could, for the next seven years, you could enter Argentina on that same fee. So you'll, it's one time. Mm. The reason that it existed was because the U.S. had a similar fee for Argentines entering the U.S. Mm. Well, uh, Obama went down to visit and met with the you know, the government there, and now there's no reciprocity fee as of March 2014. Oh. So our students no longer have to pay for that. So it's always changes like that that we're looking at. Visa stuff is getting really tricky. Mm -hmm. We're always looking at that. You know, most places, as a U.S. citizen, you can be in the country for up to 90 days with mm -hmm. no visa. So our summer students luck out. Um, our semester students are not as fortunate, <laughs> and some of the visa processes are very difficult. And I'm sure um, you like start like months in advance. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of them you have to be accepted to the program before you can finalize the visa. And so mm. there's there's lots of steps. We try to help students with the timeline of it all. Um, but visas are definitely, I would say, a, a point of uh, stress during the pre-departure phase imagine. that I'm supporting students with. Well, I mean, even when I was thinking about where to travel to, like, thankfully, Thailand doesn't even require, I mean, I was, I was only there for, like, a week, but, yeah. like, I don't think they require a visa at all. Mm -hmm. But then when I wanted to go to China... It was a different story. Oh, a different story. Yeah. Completely. Which I, resulted in me being like, I just can't do this mm -hmm. because, like, one, I wasn't going to be there too long to have it worth it because mm -hmm. it would be so expensive. Of course. And two, it's just like so much paperwork to fill out. And like I would have to like send my passport to like yep. the Chinese consulate when the closest one was in New York. And like I just feel weird putting my passport. In the mail. And, I know. Yeah. I know. Well, but our like, students do it. I mean, and another thing that's interesting. So um, I have students who say, I want to go to Chile. And I did work with a student who um, – you know, was was applying and her application was looking good. And she called me and she said, "Hey, I saw this note on this form, and it said you can't have any sort of criminal background if you want to do the program." I said, "Yeah, the Chilean government will not issue a U.S. citizen a visa, a student visa, if you have any sort of criminal background." Well, she had a criminal background, and oh. we couldn't accept her to the program. Dang. However, she was able to go to Argentina and get a visa there, no problem, because huh. Argentina doesn't require a U.S. background check. They require an Argentine background check. Oh, man. So it's not possible to get your visa before you get there. And our hmm. students get the background check after being there for a week. And so hopefully Dang. they haven't committed any crimes, and if they have, <laughs> they're coming home anyway. So. Dang. That's, I mean, so that's like, I kind of view that as like a loophole. It's a loophole for sure. Yeah, and they're very different. I mean, Argentina and Chile, the programs are different, and but thankfully it did work for her. 
And I said to her, if you're really set on Chile, you want to do a summer program, you don't need a visa. So that's another mm. loophole. And there's there's different options. And and that's one of the main things I feel like my job is, just helping students know what their options are. Right. Um, and helping them decide what's the best course of action for them. A lot of times it's, are you going to be able to stay on task with your degree plan? You know, mm-hmm. that was my thing. My parents said, you're in college for four years and we're, we'll support you through that. But <laughs> anything more, uh-uh, this, there's, yeah. no, there's no fifth year, there's no super senior <laughs> deal. So. Because, yeah, for me, like, as a, as a student, I feel like the only, that's, like, the main thing I would start thinking about. And I wouldn't think about all those other little details of, exactly. like, visa, this and this and that form and this form and that form. And so it's, it's crazy that, you know, you're able to take all this craziness and (laughs) put on a one sheet somehow we try yeah and you know it's hard because we work with we have over we have almost 300 u.s institutions that we're affiliated with Mm. and then we have other u.s institutions that we also students can participate even if they're not affiliated and so Mm. With that, you know, I, I can't speak to, I know the UVM process because I did it, right. but I can't speak to UMass. I don't know what the UMass process looks like. And a right. lot of times home institutions will have their own application process mm-hmm. in addition to our application process. And so for oh. students, it can seem disjointed. It can seem there's lots of details and it's so fascinating today. You know, most of my communication is via email with students, which mm. I understand, but I call students to chat with them about certain requirements of the program and I feel like that would almost be something that you want as yeah. a student. You'd want to like talk yeah, but through it. People screen calls and you don't even I got so good at leaving voicemails because <laughs> students just don't answer their phones, which is you know. Yeah. So from all this work that you've been doing, have you been able to travel I know you do a lot of the pre pre destination, pre work, mm-hmm. um, but have you had any opportunity to travel to any of the places? Well, we, I've been to Cuba. We talked about that. Yep. Um, I did visit our sites in Costa Rica last year as well. Other than that, I really don't do a ton of travel, which is so mm-hmm. funny because people are <laughs> always... study abroad. Yeah, they're like, oh, we, you know, where are you going? When are you going? And um, But when I started with the company, I actually did a lot of domestic travel, okay. which is really interesting. So I've been to about... Uh, I think 25 of the 50 U.S. states now. And now why is that you're doing all the domestic traveling? So I started as uh, was a university relations position. So my, my job was to travel to U.S. institutions for study abroad fairs, study abroad meetings, talk to uh, advisors, talk to students, mm-hmm. and just get them on board with the idea of studying abroad in general. Yep. Um, and then when I relocated to Austin from Massachusetts, Yeah. That's really when I took on more of this manager role in in seeing the pre-departure process through. So how did Austin come about? So our um, company is based here. Ah. And I had been down here for some trainings and some you know holiday parties and things like that. So it was good. I kind of got a vibe for the city and knew mm-hmm. that I was going to like it. And I also had some instant friends when I moved here because I already knew people that I was working with in my mm. office. So it did take some time to branch out from yeah. that. But um, they asked me to relocate in January of 2015 and February I was moving down. So I'm now surviving my third summer. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, it's hot out there. It is hot. It's crazy. Um, so you've been in Austin for three years. Yeah. How long have you been, you've been in the job for three years? I've been in my current position for two years. Okay. I did a year of the university relations position as well. Okay. So did you have this, did you start working with this company right after UVM? I did. I actually took some time off. Um, so I graduated in May and I started with them in August. And okay. that summer before, I did a volunteer project in Guatemala. Mm-hmm. And I went back to visit my host family and my friends in Costa Rica. That's awesome. So I had about a month of... Yay, real world hasn't happened yet. <laughs> this is my yeah. prolonged um, vacation. And then came back and did some, some temp stuff for a little before starting starting up. So um, are you still in contact with that host family? I am. Yeah, I actually last year went to my host sister's wedding, which oh, was really no way. fun. Wow. Yeah. So they really do become a nice family. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, not for everyone, but right. I, um, I'm pretty good at making myself at home. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Um, so you've been this gig for three years. Mm-hmm. 
what's the next step? Where do you see yourself going? What is the next step? Do you well, want? Do you see yourself staying stateside? Do you see yourself maybe moving abroad? I've thought about yeah. Um, I've thought about it all. <laughs> I bet. I feel like I still. What I love about my job now is I still get to practice my Spanish, and mm. that's to this day is still a huge passion of mine. Mm -hmm. But I'm really interested in spreading it. So my end goal, and I'm not super concerned with how I get there, but my end goal, I would love to teach Spanish. Nice. Um, middle school, high school, I just want to share what I got from it in, yeah. in the early years. And, and it seems like that's what you've been doing with your job right now anyway. Like you did the peer mentoring. It's all connected. And, yeah. Of course. Yeah. You just want to spread the love. I do. I spread the Spanish spread love. Spread the Espanol. <laughs> um, I do. And, and even just telling students about all the opportunities that being bilingual has given me mm. has been, it's been amazing. And all the people in the world that I can communicate with. Right. The door been, really opens up. Yeah. And so that's my end goal. It requires a master's. And so we're not really mm. sure how that's going to all happen and play out. But um, for now, I really like what I'm doing. I, I'm learning, even though I'm not traveling to all the places that I'm working with, I'm constantly learning new words and cultural <laughs> things. Um, Chilean Spanish, I don't know if I'll ever understand fully. Right. <laughs> but the different dialects are fun for me yeah. to pick up on. And, you know, the formalities of Chileans to me seem so formal versus Costa Ricans, which are so informal. And so mm. I'm just finding those things in in my job now. So, I mean, that's very interesting to think about for other languages. Like, it's not just one language. You know, it's no. not just Spanish. No, and I mean, we, we deal with that, too. You know, down here we say y'all, and up north yeah, that's not true. really a thing. And so we got wicked. We have different accents. Yeah, Boston, we got wicked, mm -hmm. and you'll have a southern twing, and then you'll have Cali's a Boston got hella. accent. They got hella <laughs> and Cali. They got you know, and the speed at which we talk. People think I talk so quickly down here. Oh and, really? Um, and I do. Yeah, that's true. I talk yeah. quickly and a lot. So, um, but I and and even if you're looking at English here versus you know, the UK and, True. and yeah. words that they use and spelling is different and mm. words will mean different things. And it makes like learning another language so much more daunting. To <laughs> of course. Yeah. But, um, that's the fun part. It is. It is. And one of my, you're always learning. Yeah. One of my first college Spanish classes, my professor showed, he did a whole presentation about why learn Spanish and I loved it. Mm. It was, you know, these are how many people, speak English in the world. These are how many people speak Spanish in the world. So if you speak English and Spanish, these are all the people you can communicate with. Mm -hmm. These are all the countries that you can travel to. And that's the thing. I love to travel, but I've discovered I really don't love traveling to places that don't speak the language because mm -hmm. I feel so spoiled when I go to a Spanish-speaking country and I can understand everything and communicate and I know if someone's trying to rip me off mm -hmm. and things like that. So Definitely. I didn't love as much, you know, I, I was able to go to seven countries when I was abroad, which was amazing. Yeah. And I, I'm glad I got to have all those experiences, but I didn't love it as much when I couldn't speak the host language. That was nerve wracking right. for me, but it was good to, I, I try to remember that when I'm working with a student who has never taken a Spanish class and is going to Spain. Mm, right. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I have that concern. Like when I, well, you know, it's, I, it's an interesting phenomenon that I've experienced recently from all this traveling I've been doing is that no matter where I go, I feel like there's just a little bit of English found just about everywhere. And I've yet to like immerse myself in like somewhere that maybe has none of it. Because mm -hmm. um, I know like, you know, main capitals that a lot of English or anyone would really travel to is going to have a little bit of English. Have you noticed that yourself? That just about anywhere you go, they may be able to like, they may not have good English should be very, very broken, but it's still like a little bit there. Yeah, I mean, I've found that, but there are places too where even if they can speak it, they don't want to. Right. And, you know, where I was living in, in Spain with my host family, my host mom didn't speak a word of English. Mm. She really didn't. Mm. My host brother did, and a lot of it's generational. Mm -hmm. So, but that was something I put on my housing form. I would love to be in a family that doesn't speak English to me. That's wow. You, you want to jump right in? I'd love to force myself. Yeah, you know. You kind of have to sink or swim. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, yeah, because just I'm I'm thinking about for say like somebody who would speak like German is their first language, mm -hmm. and they don't speak any English, and they would go to say a foreign country that doesn't speak German, mm -hmm. and 
it's 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 weird for me to think that they might get they might get through it better if they speak a little bit of English. Yeah, they could. They could. I, I'm just trying to think like I, that's just a, a wild thing for me to think about. Like, why English of all languages? I don't know. I don't. Yeah, that's a weird American thing or something. Yeah, because we travel all. Over well, the we're place. pretty privileged, you know. And, that yeah. And um. It's funny too. I mean, check your privilege. Check your privilege. Yeah, <laughs> get in line. So, I don't know. I but speaking Spanish for me, I mean, it's funny. I tell people all the time. I went to practically the border of Canada to learn Spanish. <laughs> so for for me to be down here in Texas, it's I'm I'm hearing a lot more in the streets and at the grocery store and things like that. You know, mm. it's it's but it's Mexican Spanish, and that's not something I'm as familiar with. I'm, mm. I've definitely picked up on a lot of the slang and. The idioms that they use, but um, it's very different everywhere yeah, you go. Definitely, and yeah, they'll speak English, but if they have the comfort of their own language, right? It's like the same thing for us. Exactly. Like, if we're gonna if we can speak English. We're gonna speak English. Exactly. <laughs> Can't do much else. Nope. <laughs> um, so, from all these places that you've been going to, is there somewhere that you haven't been that you're very interested in checking out? Oh, of course, always. <laughs> yeah. Um. Spanish-speaking or not Spanish-speaking? So, can I give one of each? Yes, please. Please do. <laughs> so, currently, my Spanish-speaking one, I would love to go to Mendoza, Argentina. So, it's the wine country. There's the mountains. You can trek. There's spas. Ooh, I mean, what's not perfect. to love? <laughs> yeah, that sounds wonderful. So, and, and I'm not... One thing I know about myself is I'm not a big city person. So, I've been to Madrid, and I didn't love it. And Buenos Aires in Argentina doesn't sound super appealing to me because mm. it's just such a big city. Paris was beautiful but I'm just I don't love the Austin's pretty much as big of a city as I'm willing to go these days gotcha um but so yeah so Mendoza is a little bit more it's just it's smaller it's more intimate and what from what I've heard and and so that's definitely my my next uh kind of splurge I'm also looking yeah. forward to going back to Salamanca hopefully next year it's the University of Salamanca's 800th anniversary. Whoa. And so they're doing all these fun events to celebrate. And, you know, as a kind of alum, I consider myself an alum <laughs> of the university. Might as well. Um, Honorary it'd alum. Be, yeah, exactly. I'd, <laughs> I'd love to get back there. Um, and then non-Spanish speaking. Um, let's see. You know so much about the Spanish speaking places. You forgot I know, about everywhere else that's I know. Not. It's so funny. Well, I definitely would like to check out Brazil. Mm. Um, with the Portuguese there, um, haven't been to Portugal either, and I've never had a super strong interest for China or or things like that. But I would love to check out Australia, New Zealand. Absolutely, yeah. they're far. That's um, on my list. But they, you know, I, I have some friends who have been out there. I had friends who studied abroad there, and it mm -hmm. just seems amazing <laughs> yeah it's funny when uh i would tell people about my study abroad experience um you know i went to manchester england mm -hmm. and my former roommate he studied abroad in australia oh awesome so it's funny i would the way i would compare it as i would say you know i was on vacation for a semester he was on an adventure for a semester yeah because australia just seems like such an adventurous place with it all does. kinds of things to do there of course and i'd love to check it out sure it's far away but it is, but hopefully worth it if you have the time to explore, and we'll see. Yeah. When do you think you'll get out there? As soon as you can. As soon as I can, <laughs> as soon as the, you know. Next big paycheck. Nah, yeah. Those don't really happen, but, um, <clears throat> yeah. And remember, I work in education. <laughs> mm. um, I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping next year I can at least, like I said, it's the the Salamanca anniversary, so I'd love to get out there. Yeah. I try to do at least one international trip a year. It's tough. Yeah. So this year I was in Cuba. Yes, it was work-related, but, but that was still, still counting. And You got your Cuban cigars. Yeah, got I got Cuban my Cuban rum. rum. <laughs> <laughs> Last year was Cuba and Costa Rica. Mm. Um, so I'm trying, and, you know, it's... I don't have a ton of time off. Right, and yeah. Being far from my family, I do want to get back up northeast to see them. Yeah. But it's a good time up in Boston. Yeah. Um, Especially this time of year when it's 102 degrees. Oh, gosh, yeah. I've, I've, I've had enough. I love I love it here, but... Yes, I understand. <laughs> no no offense taken. Um, so now that I think about it, you mentioned Brazil and, like, they speak Portuguese there. So mm -hmm. this is just a question that I've been thinking about. Like, knowing Spanish, like, do you see any connections between, like, Portuguese, Spanish, or any other languages where you feel like 
you know, it is a different language, mm-hmm. but you can still pick up on some things like that? So, um, I don't know about Brazil, to be honest. Um, it's it's going to be, it might look similar, but it's going to sound, like I've heard Portuguese and it sounds so foreign to me. Mm. Um, I did okay in Italy, though. I was in Italy for a week and I, I didn't feel comfortable speaking Italian, but I felt like I could understand some of it. Hmm. Um, it looked very different to me, but sound-wise, it wasn't. It didn't feel so strange. Right. French, I don't understand. Which mm-hmm. my last name is Boudreaux, so <laughs> that's a shame. That's strange now. <laughs> our our director in Cuba actually is from France, and she, um, the first time she met me, she was like, "Oh, bonjour, Caroline," and I was like, "Yeah, I hola." Um, <laughs> I was like, "Podemos hablar en español? We can talk in Spanish." But as far as French goes, I have bonjour and Bonui and uh, and that's it. So pretty good. That's, <laughs> pretty that's good. where it ends. So I definitely and people ask me all the time. You know, do you want to learn another language? That was gonna be my next question. And uh, it's been a good one, and definitely one I've heard before. Yes, is my answer. But I don't ever feel like I'm done learning Spanish. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. So it's it's. You're constantly uh, learning one language. It's like, how am I yeah. going to pick up another one? To be honest, I would love to learn sign language. I feel like that Ooh. would be, it wouldn't confuse me. And mm-hmm. um, I just love it. But now, so one thing that I've actually learned about sign language, I thought that it's it was. It's regional. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, so it's that's different. like, what? I, I, I felt like, oh, sign language, that can be universal. No, but it's not. It's not. And if you think about it, like, it does make sense because, you know, different languages have different words. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So. That was kind of mind-boggling to me. It's like, oh, I could learn sign language, but now, so for you, would you want to learn American sign language? I would. I think I would, yeah. Because I do, I mean, as much as I love traveling and I've lived abroad before, I still see myself stateside. Okay. Um, I find people say to me, you know, why don't you go teach English abroad? And it's funny, I'm not passionate about teaching English. You'd rather I teach I don't Spanish. know why. I just, I, and the other thing is I know Spanish grammar, like, very, very well. Annoying, better than English. Annoyingly well. But I can't always <laughs> equate it to English grammar. Mm. And so it's easier for me to teach Spanish because I've been through the process. Right. You know, they always say, like, it's just like study abroad. It's easier for me, I feel like, to advise someone because I've been through the process personally, mm-hmm. especially with Spain and Costa Rica. Um, so it's it's a different ball game. I don't have as much experience with teaching English, and I know I could do it, and I, I do have a passion for teaching yeah, in general, definitely. I can but tell. I'm just, it's the the Spanish, I'm just fine, picked that's it. where the passion is. Yeah, yeah. so you got to do what you're passionate about, mm-hmm. obviously, it's teaching Spanish. Si, senor. <laughs> um, so we're running out of time, sadly. Sadly. It, it always runs, it always, it always happens. I know, like it's, well, I can talk for days, you know that. Yeah, I mean, well, there's so much to learn about this. Yes, and for sure. And as you're still learning about it yourself, and I you've am. been studying it for years, so um, this is like, honestly, like a little teaser, a little taste test. Yeah, of course. Um, but really, really awesome stuff. Uh, so, like, just some last notes, like, for somebody out there, mm-hmm. student, who, or even younger, or even somebody who's, you know, older, yeah. Um, how would you recommend them to, like, where to go, how to find some information about it, why they want to do that, or if, like if Spanish is another thing, if they want to do some other language. Mm-hmm. I know you have more knowledge of the Spanish side, so just like of course, give me give me a, like, somebody who knows nothing. <laughs> <laughs> well, so there's lots of options. I mean, you can study, you can intern, you can volunteer, you can work abroad. There's so many options. I would say Google is a great place to start, <laughs> and then my my advice is pick up the phone. You know, I, I love when people call and say. Hey, I was looking on your website. Don't really know where to go. Don't really know what I want to do, but let's talk it out. And mm. and I'm willing to have those conversations. And I know a lot of people who are. So yeah. whether you know you're you're looking to study abroad for the first time or for the eighth time, or you mm. want to try a volunteer session, you know, there's lots of people. Like I was saying, they go to these conferences. There's tons of people who mm. who are experienced in this field and and are willing to help. So definitely. Um, that's a and there's and there's programs that vary in cost as well. So right. don't always let your finances be a roadblock mm-hmm. because there's scholarships. Um, there's I don't know if it still exists, but I met someone once in Texas who got a scholarship to study abroad because she was 
a tall Texas woman. Well, there was literally a scholarship for, for you being you. For you being a tall Texas woman who's looking to study abroad. So wow, you know, there's there's crazy money out there. Um, just gotta find just it. Just gotta find it. Interesting. And so I know you you work particularly in like study abroad programs, but are there options for people who are say like 40s, 50s? Of course, yeah. So for some of our programs are going to have restrictions. So for example, Cuba does have an age restriction. That's a restriction of the university, not of our company. Okay. But I've I've worked with adults who you know, are retired and just want to go to Costa Rica and practice Spanish for the cool. first time and things like that. So, yeah, there's there's so many options. Never too late. It's never too late. Of course not. I love it. That's so great. Ah, uh, man. I now I want to. I've done all this <laughs> traveling. Go. I want to go. We'll Google uh, yeah. it. Pick up the phone. You know. Yeah, I'll, I'll just call you. <laughs> okay. And get to talk good. about it. Um. So, I think we have to wrap up. Okay. Sadly. You can do that. Yeah. Um. If any of y'all. See, see I did there. Any of y'all, look where we are. Any of y'all, any of y'all got some questions, comments, concerns, yeah. meeting a life about studying abroad, specifically Spanish-speaking countries, mm -hmm. and then that you know what to do. You gotta pick up the phone. You gotta pick up the phone. Pick up the phone. Call Carolyn Boudreaux. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or if you have any questions, comments, concerns, meeting a life about the podcast, or have any recommendations. Or feedback. I love, love, love your reviews and your feedback on every episode or for future episodes. And if you want to be featured on an episode, um, you can talk about just really anything, you know? Really anything. Just as long as you sort of know. That's all it is. It's got to sort of know. It's got to sort of know. I don't even really know. See, you're still learning. So still like, learning. Still learning. Sort of so, know. Sort of know. Um, yeah. I'd love to hear it all. So be sure to follow, subscribe. Um, there's always new episodes coming out. So... Be on the lookout. Thank you so much for listening. 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 Oh, I always blub up mm, the end. Okay. Oh, it's, the it's, end. it's okay. It's the end. Ta-da. Ta we made it. Uh, thank you so much for listening. My name is Josh Hayden. We've had Carolyn Boudreaux here, and we'll see you next week for another episode of We Sorta Know. Hasta luego.